First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. If we don't listen to them and not be content with our just Lord bless the missionaries, whoever they are, and help the world, but we need some specifics to own. You need to own a piece of a broken world. You'll hear more from Ron Hutchcraft as you join us now for First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd, and my conversation with Ron about living in a world marked by war and human desperation will begin in just a moment. These weekly programs are all archived on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. At your convenience, you can review any interview and share the link with others. For instance, if you missed last week's program with Pastor Sergey from his church basement in Kiev, it's available. He's standing strong for the Lord as a shepherd serving his countrymen in Ukraine. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. And don't forget that you can also use our free smartphone app to download these interviews and take them with you on the go. Look for the app First Person Interview in your app store. Ron Hutchcraft has been a strong voice for the Lord over many years, and he's continuing to challenge us with how to engage with a world that needs the gospel. I recently sat down to talk with Ron during the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and we started by acknowledging a world in crisis. Well, you know, um, we have had a lot of birthdays, both of us, well, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, in my lifetime, at least, I'm not seeing a time like this. Uh there are two things that have happened in the last couple of years and some very recently that have reminded a whole world of how quickly things can turn dark. Yeah. And I mean overnight, over uh, virtually overnight, a an insidious virus showed up and rocked our world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a messianic prophecy in the uh, book of Haggai Let's all quote our favorite memory verses from the book of Haggai. Let's see. Do I have one? (laughs) And it says, I will shake all nations. Nothing ever shook all nations. Oh, did you ever hear of COVID? (laughs) It shook all nations. I don't think anybody escaped. So uh, that that rocked everybody. All of a sudden, everybody's like, things I never thought could happen are happening. And we're shut down. We're locked in. We're, you know, we can't. So the second thing is, uh, not only this insidious virus, but now international violence. And in, in, in a matter of, I, there was about a week or two period recently, and it continues, when I heard the words World War Three mm-hmm. and nuclear war mm-hmm. more times than I've heard probably in 20 or 30 years, yes. cumulatively. And, and watching anchor, news anchors, emotional about headlines, you know, I mean, they're always like, they got everything together, but having a hard time holding it together. And so, again, our world was like, wait a minute, you mean there might not be a tomorrow? And so it's a time when God, if this is not a giant wake-up call from God, to see he keeps reminding us, and I have a feeling it isn't over, and it isn't going to stop. No, I don't there, think it's so. It's just this, all this sense of things being terminal and temporary and and all the other gods are failing us. Every, all the other gods of culture, um, our, our, our go-to things, are not there to go to. And so with this wake-up call, um, I'm a follower of Christ. 
And I know that the final orders of my master were about one thing and only one thing, and that is to get the message of what he did on the cross into lives and change them through a process of discipling. That, those are his final orders. And do you know when you go away into the um, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, I don't know if you've ever been up close. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. I, I managed to get up close one time with my family, and I heard the exchange between the soldier coming on and going, the one going off. And you know what they say to each other? One, and this has been going on like for 75 years, the same exchange every hour. Uh, the one um, that's going off duty says, orders remain unchanged. And the <laughs> one coming on salutes and answers and says, orders acknowledged. Oh, my goodness. Wayne, 2,000 years ago on a hill, orders were given. And every generation, as each generation comes and goes, one says the orders remain unchanged, mm-hmm. boy. And we salute and say, orders acknowledged. And the transmission of the gospel from generation to generation is now in our hands. And if we, have, if we are, are slumbering, now I just came, as you mentioned, from a gathering, uh, um, and it was a small gathering in a big, a big convention, um, and, but the people in that room are God's heroes at this, in here. I'm just there watching them. Yeah, because I they mean, come from all over the world. Afghanistan, we're telling how pastors and their whole families are being stoned to death. And, you know, when, when the authorities come into your house, the first thing they get is your phone. And if they find a Bible app, mm-hmm, you're dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, uh, and uh, we don't have that, Wayne. Nobody's going to come and check your no, phone and, no. and kill you for having Bible apps. Um, and then, you know, we hear from Ukraine and we hear from Russia and from the surrounding nations, other nations, Poland and, and uh, the Baltics and so on, and how Christians are feeling there and how they're rising to the occasion to deal with the refugee crisis. And, uh, and then even places that aren't in the news right now, but Haiti and India, um, all kinds. And I'm, I was asked to pray. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> My heart. <laughs> and, and all I could think of as I was praying was the question in the Old Testament when there are two and a half tribes that already have their land before, they, before the rest of the tribes go into the promised land. They got to fight for it. They've just been given theirs on the east side of the Jordan. If you remember the song, East Side, West Side, this is kind of the Jordan River. They're the East Siders. And they got an idea. They say, Moses, we've got our land. We'd like to get our farm set up and everything here. You, we'll just stay here. And Moses says, shall you sit here while your brothers go to war? Powerful. And I say to myself and I say to my fellow brothers and sisters, in the comfortable place we are, where the things that I heard an hour ago are unthinkable, Shall we sit here when our brothers are going to war around the world? And we already have our orders. The orders remain unchanged. Have we acknowledged them? Jesus said the love of most will grow cold just before he comes back of all things. That's like most of the team goes to sleep at the tomb in the morning? What? This When you, you go for points on the board, you don't... So... Shall we sit here while our brothers go to war? And I just prayed that God would awaken us from our unacceptable slumber, our unforgivable slumber. 
and wake us up and say, I've got to pour every resource I have into the battles for souls, not to be distracted by lesser battles. There's a lot of battles mm-hmm. Christians are fighting. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're wrong and they're unimportant or without value, but there's one that was our master's final orders. I cannot sit here while my brothers go to war. Many people feel helpless, though. We know we can pray. We know we should pray, and we are praying, and we are giving. The generosity of American Christians during this recent crisis has been amazing to me to see, and it's still unfolding, no no question about it. But in other ways, we feel so helpless to do anything. What's your advice? Well, as I sat there even just listening today, I was like, God's is the only heart that can contain all these burdens. I can't, no, wait, more, but wait, another one. Oh, no, more burden. What? I don't have a place to put all that. Here's what I can do. Here's what any believer can do. I believe that we need to be doing laser living and laser giving in terms of the work of Christ. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you, you diffuse light cannot repair an eye, uh, cannot cut through steel, uh, you know, cannot perform a surgery, you know, take a gallbladder out, you know, without cutting you open so much. Uh, but a laser beam can. Focused light has power. Diffused light doesn't have a lot of power. If I try to care about and own, I can pray for the world as God leads me, but I need to say, God, would you take a piece of your broken heart? Only his heart can contain all of this. But would you take some piece of your broken heart and plant it in mine? It will be a bond between me and my Savior that will be intimate and very special, that he has caused me to care deeply about something, one of these. Don't pick one. Let him pick one for you. Right. And it may even relate to your background and things you've been through. It may be, there may be a connection. And then, instead of trying to give a little bit of money to a lot of places, there's nothing wrong with that, but isn't it more powerful to give a lot to a few ministries that match the part of God's heart that he's planted in yours, and then to learn about that part of the world and to, to set, try to find ways to, to connect uh, through the Internet with people who are there, uh, how to learn how to pray, mobilize prayer in your church for that peace. Let your passion for that part of the world, let God speak it to other people's hearts through you. Laser your concern for the world. And what he calls you to do when you listen to his voice for that uh, calling and what he asked me to do might be two different things. Oh, probably will be. But he takes all of it and he fits it and joins it together. That's if, that's the body of Christ if, at work, If right? we'd all listen to him and not be content with our just, Lord bless the missionaries, whoever they are, and help the world. Okay, thank you. I mean, God will answer that and yeah. God will hear that. God will receive it. But we need some specifics to own You need to own a piece of a broken world. And we'll continue talking with Ron Hutchcraft and learn about his vision to help young Native Americans. That's coming up on First Person. With the crisis in Ukraine on all of our minds, I encourage you to visit the website febc.org for the latest developments. The Far East Broadcasting Company has had radio ministry in Ukraine for a number of years now with many staff located in the country. They continue to update us with news and videos of the situation, which you'll find at febc.org. 
Also, the podcast Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon can be heard there online with additional information. So keep praying for Ukraine and find the latest updates at febc.org. My guest is Ron Hutchcraft, and uh, we've known each other for so many years, and I so respect Ron and how God has used him all over the world and still continues to use you, Ron, to this day. I'm so thankful. And thanks for the perspective about how we respond to the world's needs right now, how we respond to the Great Commission. Can I give you a quote? Sure. But it's not my quote. Okay. It's it's uh, um, from the, the man who inspired us all as the president of Ukraine, and he said... When we offered to get him out, he said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. That was spectacular. Oh, but for me, I thought, how many of us as Christians just want a ride to a safe, comfortable Christianity? Exactly. We don't need a ride. We need ammunition. what What amazed the world in Ukraine was the courage of a people who everybody said, this fight is my fight. People are lining up to get an AK-47 who don't even know where to, what to hold or yeah, put in it. They're you know? defending and their homes, their very done, homes, yeah. Yeah, and there was, what amused me was the brewery that said, forget filling these bottles with booze, make a Molotov cocktail, here's all <laughs> so our So God bottles. can use anything, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's a much upgrade right there. But So the idea is whatever weapons you got, let's use it for the battle. We don't need a ride, we need ammunition. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that spoke volumes to me as well. I'm so glad you brought that up, Ron. Let me change gears. Yeah. Uh, because you have been so actively involved in a part of the world that most of us don't even think about. And that is the world of Native Americans. Yeah. Well, talk about a piece of God's broken heart. <laughs> right, right. So just talk to me. What, what's going on? And, and maybe God's calling somebody listening, you know, to, uh, to share that burden. I didn't ask this. Uh, unlike what I just said, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> he, <laughs> it found you, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. It was very nice to just give it to me without asking. Um, you know, the, the first mission field in, in, in this country was Native people. John Elliott came over about the 1630s. Yeah. I and, remember Jonathan Edwards had a ministry, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and David Brainerd. Who, Not that uh, I was there, mind you. Well, don't please don't look at me when you say that, <laughs> like I was. Uh, and what happened was uh, John, John Elliott came over, did the first Bible translation in North America in the Algonquin tongue. So, And that was like 400 years ago. Now, fast forward 400 years and different efforts at Indian missions, 4% know Christ after 400 years. While we have gone all over the world with the gospel as we're supposed to, who's responsible for this one? This is the first people of this land, almost annihilated, went from 10 million to 200,000, Wayne, by the year 1900. Now, thank the Lord, they're coming back, there's millions now, but Native Americans have, there has been, I, I think, how, how did we get to this point after 400 years of so little inroads for the hope of Christ? And uh, you, you can see that all that has been taken from them, language, land, uh, culture, uh, lives, most of us know the we even if you know just a little history it has been a trail of tears not just yeah. for cherokees right. it's been a trail of tears for a, a whole people in a very real sense hope has been stolen from and they're still yeah. on the trail of tears yeah uh, and and the statistics of 
youth suicide and addiction and sexual violence against women and missing and murdered women. I could go on and on, but for me, these are names, these are the funerals I've been to. 30 years ago, now, this month, uh, God took me to the reservation, broke my heart while I was there. I was just going to speak. And uh, all my life in cross-cultural youth ministry up until then, I didn't know this. I knew none of this about Native American young people. I'd worked with, you know, the inner city of Chicago, Manhattan, New York, you know, the Bronx, whatever. Here is what, what a national report called the most devastated adolescence in America. And I'm like, how do I not know this? Billy Graham nailed it 40 years ago. He said of Native Americans, remember these forgotten people. He called them the forgotten people. And indeed they are. So let me just say, 100 reservations later, <laughs> we have had the privilege of seeing God take the broken lives of Native young people and turning them into the most powerful messengers of the gospel. We call it on eagle's wings. They go to reservations. I'm the little white guy on the bus praying. Uh, and they're the ones out there doing the whole thing in the middle of the basketball court. Wayne, I have seen now over the years, I've been an eyewitness to thousands of Native Americans mm. publicly choosing Christ in mm. the middle of their reservation, not in a church, not in a religious setting, right there on the basketball court with we need everybody to know watching. This. We need to know this, Ron. Personalize it, though. Tell me, tell me about one young person. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just heard from one this morning. Uh, he's, uh, he's from a reservation in the Northwest, and um, he had been so brutalized by his family and so... Uh, he really felt literally like trash, uh, and uh, his he was even on the reservation. His friends at school would go, "Oh yeah, you you mean your family, the bunch of drunks, right?" And he he just and 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 they his dad and his brothers treated him horribly, so much so that he was planning to take his own life, as so many do. And um, somebody invited him to our Warrior Leadership Summit Conference, which is a singular conference that we put on for Native young people uniquely. And uh, when he came, uh, he said, unless something happens at this conference, I will go home and kill myself. He, uh, the, 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 thankfully, this couple invited him to come. He might have done it before then. And I remember the night he came to Christ. I was in the counseling room. He came forward, didn't talk much. And um, I put my arms on his shoulders, and I said, I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you and that I do. I did not know this, but he has since said, man, he said, nobody had ever said that to me. I didn't know it. I never heard those words. And to know that somebody loved me like Jesus did, and, he, and then somebody I could see did. Well, a fast forward. Since then, he's become a real leader on the On Eagles Wings team. When he gives his hope story, there's so many people who relate to it. They're like, yeah, that's me, that's me. And then he gets to Jesus, <laughs> a brown-skinned savior from a tribe called <laughs> Judah, hello, uh, on land taken over by others, the Romans, hmm, <laughs> died a violent death. Sounds familiar, wow. doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, now he is about to graduate from Bible school. Uh, he has gone home to his reservation and at times had, he's given an invitation Right at a coming back to tell about his trip, forty people came forward, including members of his own family. Uh, it's just, and those stories are repeated over and over again. That's why we are we have seen now what happens in one month when we can be with them in an intensive way to deal with all the damage sin has done. And that's why we're building out really, literally outside my office window. 
The On Eagle's Wings Native American Leadership Center. Wonderful. Oh, it's the culmination of 30 years. We've dreamed the dream a long time. In this time, God has said, go for it. And uh, Is there anything like that anywhere else in the country? There are Bible schools that we help scholarship them to go to. We're not trying to be a Bible school. This will be targeted discipleship, targeted to the areas that for centuries have brought down Native followers of Christ. Working with young people. Yep. Yep, they will be probably 18 to 30-year-old. There will be, initially, there will be uh, 12 men and 12 women we have a dorm space for that will expand ultimately to 40. It's uh, on our beautiful campus that God's given us in the Ozarks. And uh, we're, um, Lord willing, the first class will be there this fall. And they will be intensively discipled, prepared to lead, dealing with the life issues that cripple them and will keep them from succeeding, and then to be to be sent from a launch pad for Native leaders, that's what's been missing for 400 years, to go and be the agents of change in the face of the hope of Christ among their own people. This will be going on when I'm not, when I'm going on in heaven, <laughs> uh, for decades and decades to come, a launch pad for Native leaders who are living proof that Jesus is not the white man's God. He's the God who so loved the world. And Wayne, why this is so important is that I have seen the enemy use a double blindness to continue to keep Native Americans from Christ. On the one side, he has blinded Native Americans to Jesus with the lie. Jesus is the white man's God. We're seeing that that lie being penetrated and challenged effectively. On the other side is he has blinded American Christians to Native Americans. Lethal combination. The forgotten people. Yeah. And I sometimes I go, why don't people care about this? They're right here. And then I'm like, God says, you didn't care either, Ron, because you didn't know. You can't care about what you don't know about. So that's why our conversation right now is so important, because we're attacking that blindness. And Wayne, what I have found I get two reactions when people hear this. One, I had no idea. What did Billy say? The forgotten people? And then secondly, what can I do? People really want, they do realize you can't just hear this. I mean, if not us, who? These are the first people of our land. Who, if not us, who? And thank God now I, I know what I know what the answer to that question is. What can we do? It's to invest and make a difference in the life of one of these native warriors who can make the difference for their people. Not for me to go running there, but to do something to empower them to be able to go to their people and invest their life in bringing them the hope that they have found. Our guest has been Ron Hutchcraft. How amazing to hear about the calling Ron has to build this training center for young Native Americans. We'll put additional information about this project and Ron's ministry in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. Please visit and learn more. And then while you're online, please take the time to visit febc.org for the latest in what God is doing through the broadcast of the Far East Broadcasting Company. There's also news there about Ukraine and the continuing story of broadcasting to and counseling with the Ukrainian people who are desperate for the hope which the gospel provides. Also, listen to the podcast until all have heard, featuring behind-the-scenes happenings at FEBC. Listen at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.